thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. It's funny, in this time of technology, I, I feel a little funky bringing my big Bible over here. So it's like I'm bringing the ancient scrolls. It's King James Version too. It's like old school, right? So I thought, I thought it would be fun today to contrast uh, the difference between uh, the eloquent language of the King James and to hear somebody who doesn't use words good. So you can look at the contrast, take your pick, whichever one's going to be on that. Memorial Day weekend, we, we take this time to honor uh, those who have, have lost their life in, the ser- in defense of this country so that you and I can come together and congregate and read God's word um, and celebrate him. The freedoms in this country that were defended for the lives that are lost. Um, today we are going to study a family that is no stranger to laws. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ruth. You can open to that right now. Um, we're going to take a look at all that, but before we do that, let's, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and to, and to learn more about you. Father, today we pray that your words would be spoken here. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, Father, that we might hear your voice, Lord, that we might pursue you, Father, that we may walk out of here with a better understanding of your love for us. Today, we thank you for that. We dedicate this time to you. I speak your blessing to all those who are here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just want to take a moment to welcome those people online. If you're at the lake and you're watching, I just want you to know we're not mad at you. (laughs) Just kidding. We wish you were here. Ruth chapter 1, starting at verse 1, I'm going to read it here. Now, it came to pass in the days the judges ruled. That there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn, sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech. You guys say that? Elimelech. Well, in kids' ministry, when we come across the fun name, we say it a few times. So it's all right, you get used to it. Elimelech. <clears throat> and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Uh, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Elimelech, see? Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, not Oprah. It's Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years, and Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and of her husband. Man, that's depressing. Really sad. Tragedy. Tragic life for this woman, Naomi. As we study the book of Ruth today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point a couple things out to you right up front here. We're going we're gonna to hit some things that are just going to be kind of notes 
that we'll hang on to, uh, little, little, little treasures there that I feel like the Holy Spirit's put in the text. We'll also walk through and we'll see an example of love's resolve. Uh, we'll also see an example of love's response. Um, we'll see an example of, of love's uh, request and love's reward. And I want you to see that if you can point those points out as we come across them. As we look at this story, I can't help but, but open with what's in the first sentence. It says in the days when the judges ruled. I believe that the Holy Spirit put that there to give us an idea of what was going on. So Ruth is happening at the same time when the judges ruled. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, you know that it was a considerable amount of failure spiritually. The cycle was this. The children of Israel uh, would love God, serve God. Then they'd fall into idol worship and trusting in other things. And then God would give them over to be servitude. And they would come under enslavement. And then they would cry out and God would raise up a judge. They would repent and they would be back serving God. But they created this cycle that happened six different times in the book of Judges. What that showed us in the book of Judges was that the law that was in place wasn't able to redeem. In stark contrast to that, paralleled with the same time frame, you've got this lovely love story, this book of Ruth, that shows us the beauty and the majesty of grace. The other thing I want to point out is it talks about them going to Moab. Now, it says there was a famine in the land, and, and they speculate that this book was happening about the time of Gideon, uh, where there was a famine in, in Bethlehem, Judea. It's interesting that uh, Bethlehem, is, it means the house of bread, yet they were in a, in a time when there was no bread to be had. Interesting. They, they went through... Uh, and went to Moab. Now, I don't know why they went to Moab. If you know anything about Moab, Moab was a country that did not like Israel. It was born out of incest through Lot and his daughters, and they continually warred with Israel. Moab, they would not be welcome. They would not be friends. They would have to rely on the hospitality. It doesn't say why exactly they had to leave, but we know it was a famine, so we don't know what, what they had to give up. They had to leave what they knew, and they went to Moab. Now, while they're there, obviously this tragedy happens, and we see Naomi heartbroken. She's at the end of her rope. She has suffered immense tragedy and she decides, I am going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to Judah. She has these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And she tells them, guys, I tell you what, you need to go find rest in the house of your husband. She uses that term rest. What she means is, is that uh, to find rest would be under the protection and the provision of a marriage of her husband. So Naomi is saying, I don't have any more sons. You should go back to your land. You should go back to your people and find rest. Find another husband. You guys are young. You can still do, make it work, right? So they have this argument. Three times Naomi tells them, you should go back. Really, 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 you should go back. This is their mother-in-law. Not everybody has a great relationship with their mother-in-law. My note says, insert mother-in-law joke, mother joke here. Now, I've got a great mother-in-law. She's much like a Naomi. So I'll leave that to you guys to decide to yourself. But I warn you, if you chuckle too much, your spouse may give you ribs. Oh. <laughs> Naomi releases three times. She says, go, I mean, go guys, go, 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 go. And so we finally get to this in Ruth chapter one, verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Clave. 
I kind of imagine Ruth hanging on by her ankles, just holding on to Naomi. I'm not going to go. And she said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people. That's Naomi talking. And unto her gods and return uh, thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from the following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people will be my people. Thy God will be my God. Where thou diest, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so in me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. See, y'all love the, the language of the King James. It's good to get you tongue-tied and really not know what's going on. But basically what's happening here is Ruth is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end. Matter of fact, it is a sevenfold death oath. In essence, what you're seeing here is you're seeing Ruth convert. She's turning back from the life that she had, the gods, the people, the situation, the environment, and she is embracing Naomi and her people and her God. And so you see Ruth giving it all. This is, this is love's resolve. Where you go, I'll go. Your people's my people. Your God is my God. So they go and uh, they get back into town and people are talking. It's a small town, right? Anybody from a small town? Yeah, you get it. Small town, they come back in and they're like, is it, was that Naomi? Is that Naomi, really? She looked bad, y'all. She looked bad. Her name, Naomi, means pleasant. But when she comes back to Bethlehem, she says, don't call me Naomi, because I ain't pleasant. Call me Mara, means bitter because the Lord has dealt harshly with me. See, Naomi recognized this happen. See, if you have one family member that passes away, that's, you know, it's, you kind of deal with that. But when you have three, you, man, Naomi saw this as God's hand on her. So you got to figure that, um, that Naomi and, and Ruth on this trip back from Moab to Bethlehem. It's about 50 to 75 miles, which is not, not too long, but, but think of it like this. How many of you guys want to walk to Stillwater? Let me, let me rephrase that. How many of you guys want to walk to God's country? Good. Now, if you don't like that joke, you should read Psalm 23 because it says he leads me by the still water. I'm just saying it's biblical. It's in the Bible. In the Bible. It's there. There's another little note at the end of chapter one that gives us a hint of things that are going on. It's, this is happening at the beginning of the barley, barley harvest. Now, that to you and me, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But when you talk about the Jewish agricultural calendar, this gives you an idea of when it's happening. It's happening about the same time as Passover. There are seven feasts that Moses set up. Passover, we call it Easter, right? So it's about that same time, that same time frame that's happening in there. There's three feasts that happen around that time. And the, the, the Holy Spirit puts this little note in here that this is happening around the beginning of the barley harvest. It's interesting. Hang on to that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Chapter two, enter the hero. If you have some uh, Dudley Do-Right music or some sort of a hero montage, play that in your head right now as I read this verse. 
And Naomi had a near kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. It's a nice name. And his name was Boaz. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> write it too. Write the first part of it too. Get this introduction. Now, you know that while they're walking, Naomi's telling Ruth, this is, you know, we got to talk about how we're going to live, right? We got nothing. We're desolate. Everything, we left full. We're coming back empty. I got nothing. So I, gotta, I better make you aware of some of the customs that are around there. And so I'm quite sure that Naomi tells her about the law of gleaning. Because the first thing they, uh, Ruth does when they get back, she goes, I, can I go glean? Now, if you don't know what the law of gleaning was, I'll give you a quick little summary, which is written in the Torah, by the way, which is the first five books of the Bible well before this book is written. And what that means is, is that when, when the people of Israel, uh, whenever they plowed their fields, whenever they harvest their fields, they were only allowed to go through it once, one time. And they weren't allowed to, to, to harvest the corners, right? So whatever passed and hit the ground, they had to just keep going. This was God's welfare system. It was set up for those who were foreigners or strangers. It was also set up for those who were fatherless or those who were widowed. So this was a provision that God had put in the Torah that we see playing out right here for Ruth and Naomi. And so Ruth says, let me, let me go glean. Let me go find some fields. Let me go get some, let me go get some grain. Let me go get some stuff. And, and Naomi had to know that it was not going to be easy for Ruth as a, as a Moabite. The law forbade, forbade the Moabites from coming into the community. They were outcast. God said specifically, don't enter into relationship. Don't let them come into the community, even unto the 10th generation. There was bad blood there. That's what I'm saying. So the law said, don't hang out with Moabites. And Naomi had to know that it was going to be a little rough on her. But she says, all right, but go. We're going to have to eat. We're going to have food, right? So you got to go get something. So, so I love what the Bible says. And it says the Bible, the Bible says that Ruth happened upon the field of Boaz. Now, let me just give you a little clue. When you read the Bible, there ain't no such thing as coincidence. Lucky is not a kosher word, right? It's not, it's not biblical. This is by God's design. She happened along the field of Boaz. And she begins to glean. She begins to work. Now, Boaz is boss. He's the Lord of the harvest. He shows up. He greets his friends. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you doing? You guys working all right? His employees are like, yeah, man, we're great. This is the Adam version, by the way. The King James is way different, but you get the feel. So, so he has a good relationship with his employees. And immediately, <laughs> is that what? Who's the, who's the girl? Who's this damsel? You get the impression that, that uh, Ruth was, she was fine. <laughs> Boaz, he got a lot going on, but he snaps his head around and says, wait, whoa, who, 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 who's that? The girl over there, right there. Now, an unnamed servant comes to him and says, you know, uh, boss, first thing I gotta tell you is, is that, well, A, She's a Moabite. We'll get that right up front, right? She's a foreigner. Moabite. She's here, though. She's here connected with Naomi. And so she came back with Naomi after Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. She's one of the, she's one of the, the, the daughter-in-laws. She came back. She's been working here in the field all day. She got a little break. 
she's still working in the field here, and she can stay if you want her to. If you don't, I'll chase her or whatever. And Boaz is like, no, 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 man. Let her stay. Let her stay. You see, see you get a hint that, that Boaz is like, right, she's pretty. She's pretty. She gets to stay. So Boaz goes to her and he says, hey, man, uh, Ruth, you, 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 you just need to stay in these fields. Do the barley harvest, do the wheat harvest. You just need to stay here. He's telling her, this, this is where your blessing is. I'm going to provide for you better than that. I'm, I'm going to protect you, right? Ruth recognizes that this is grace beyond measure. Falls on her face. Man, I don't know why I deserve this from you. And he says, no, 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 I've seen you. I've seen you. Hang on to that for a second. I've seen you. I've heard of your works. How you are devoted to your mother-in-law. How you are here gleaning food for her. I've seen your work. I've seen what you're doing. And it's cute. They sit down to have a little lunch. It's like their first date. They're not even Instagram official yet, guys. I mean, it's serious, <laughs> right? Boaz shares his lunch with her. Naomi eats a little, or excuse me, Ruth eats a little bit. She got a little extra take home, little doggy bags to take back with her. So then she rises up. And we're going to see Love's response right here. This is, uh, uh, and when she had risen up to glean, Boaz commanded, this is Ruth chapter 2, 15 and 16. Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaths and reproach her not. And let fall also some handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Now, if you understand what they're doing, they're, they, they didn't have the combines, right? So they got these sheaves of grain that they're grabbing up with one hand and then they're taking their sickle and they're whacking it like that and they put that in their bag. And that's how they harvest. And what the, 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 the foreigners and, the, uh, and the, uh, the desolate had to walk behind the harvesters at a distance. And they would go through and they would, they would pick up whatever they had because the law of gleaning allowed them to have that. So they would pick up all the grain or whatever. And Boaz is saying, you know what? If she walks among the sheaves, which is to mean the stuff that's not even harvested yet, if she goes there, hey, it's okay. It's okay. And, 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 and let her pick wherever she wants to. This whole field, she can have all this is for her. She can, she can grab whatever she wants, whatever she needs, she gets. Oh, and by the way, occasionally, drop a handful on purpose. Give her a little extra blessing. A little something, you know, a little something. A little something, something. So Ruth diligently works all day. She works all day gleaning. Picking up the blessings, picking up the picking up the food. She was getting. This was the only source of food for her and her her and her uh, mother-in-law. At the end of the day, she ends up with an ephah of grain. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I didn't know what that means either. But let me give you an idea. It's about nine gallons worth of grain. This is a one-day reaping, one-day gleaning, and Ruth comes home with enough food to feed her and Naomi for a week. This was obviously surprising to Naomi. This is uncharacteristic. She says, uh, girl, where you been? I mean, that's, like I said, my version. I like that. 
in the Bible. She says, what have you been doing? Where have you been? Whose field have you been? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And Ruth's like, man, I was just out there. I was in this guy's name, Boaz. And then the bing, the light goes off. And me, oh, you mean the tall, dark, handsome one who owns lots of land, is good looking, is rich? You see, Naomi really wanted rest for Ruth. She appreciated her devoutness. In her time of all this pain, Ruth was there, devoted to her. So Naomi really wanted to bless her with rest. In other words, she wanted her to be married. She wanted her to have protection. She wanted her to have provision. And so she sees this Boaz as an eligible bachelor, and she's like, girl, you need to be staying there. This is where the blessing is. Stay there. She's like, oh, yeah, but he already told me to stay there through all the harvest. So they did. And so this time passes between, um, between the, the barley harvest and we get into the, to the wheat harvest. That's roughly about 50 days. Now, the barley harvest happens around Passover. The last festival of that time around Easter or Passover is uh, the Feast of First Fruits, which is typically the Sunday after Passover. That's when that happens. About 50 days later, there's another festival and it falls towards the end of the wheat harvest. Now, I'm pointing this out to you because I believe that it, the Holy Spirit wants us to realize some things. This is called the Feast of Shavuot. 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 Oh, see, I thought I said it right the first time. Shavuot. We know it as... Pentecost, about the same time, about 50 days after. So why is the Holy Spirit putting these things in here? We're going to get to that in just a minute. <clears throat> here we see that, um, here's, what, uh, here's what Naomi says. Here's the setup, right? She says, all right, this guy, he's great. He's wonderful. Here's his field. Here's what I want you to do. What's going to happen is they're going to, they're going to have a big party and they're going to go to a saddleback. Now, a saddleback was on a hill, it was a flat spot on a hill, there was a little good prevailing wind. And they would take all the grain that they'd harvest and all the sheets and they would gather them together and they would throw them up in the air. And if you were skilled and you did it right, you'd, you'd create two piles. Pile one was the grain that you would take to market and sell. Pile two was the shaft. And you would take that off and burn it because you didn't want any, any rod rodents to come up there and they would burn it. It was a big celebration, it was a big party. They ate, they drank, they did all these things. And Naomi knew this was going to happen. So she's telling Ruth, here's what you do, girl, 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 girl. Number one, wash yourself. Number two, anoint yourself. Number three, put on your little black I'm available dress. That's the, that is the Adam version. It's just, it's put on thy raiment is what it actually says. But it said, put it on, I'm available, right? And then she said, go lay at his feet and he'll tell you what to do. Mm. Here we're going to see love's request. Ruth chapter three, six through nine. It says, and she went down to the floor and did according to all her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came up softly. She uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and he turned himself. Behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread, forth, spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near 
kinsman. Here we see love's request. Something going on here. It's a little bigger than us. Naomi wanted to find a husband for Ruth. And Boaz was the guy. Now, what would happen is, is that after they made this big pile, everybody would sleep around them. So there was an element of privacy there. And what, Ruth was, what Naomi had told Ruth was to go and lay at his feet. Well, she uncovers his feet and says that he twisted and turned. His feet got cold, right? So he wakes up and he goes to cover his feet up. He sees this woman. He's like, ah, who are you? She says, I'm Naomi. Excuse me, I'm, I'm Ruth, your handmaid. And then she says, spread thy skirt over me, for thou art my kinsman redeemer. Now, I want to just let you know something. The book of Ruth is extremely PG. Boaz is an honorable man who does things right. And you see this contrast between Judges and Ruth. You see grace, you see honor, you see uh, the highest moral ground here. So nothing bad is going on here. Ruth is not propositioning him. It's, it's far more than that. You see what Ruth had done in this little moment is that she invoked him as the kinsman redeemer. It's called a goyal. I'm gonna read to you what it means. In this request, Ruth is not just taking up and looking out for herself, which she could have. What she is actually doing, though, is invoking this law. Now, you have to understand something about the law. I'm going to read it to you. This is in Leviticus 25, also the Torah, 23 through 25. It says, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide a redemption for the land. If one of your fellow Israelites become poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. So we don't know why Naomi and Elimelech left, but we know that they gave up their land to do so. But the land couldn't be sold. It wasn't like you and I, as a bill of sale, this is my property now. God's law in the Torah says that you can, it worked more like a lease. So maybe they had to sell it because they were, they were uh, desolate. Maybe they had to pay off some debt. Whatever the case was, the land could be redeemed by a near kinsman. Ruth understood this, and what she's asking Boaz for is not just to, to be her husband. She's asking him to redeem the land. When she says, throw your skirt over me, it, it, it's, it's symbolic. The Bible talks about, in the Old Testament, as God putting his skirt over the children of Israel it's a way of, uh, it's a marriage. It's a covenant. And so this is completely, uh, this is completely up and up. It's, 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 she's invoking him as the Goyel, saying, you are now kinsman, will you redeem the land? In doing so, he's going to get her as a bride. Now, Boaz understands this. He, he stands up and he says, man, you know, I get it. It's, it's good. I, I, I'm going to do that. The problem, here's the problem. There's a problem, there's a problem. Here's this, the problem. The problem is, there's a nearer kinsman. So if you have Boaz in your mind as some uh, George Clooney, right? The nearer kinsman may be like a Danny DeVito kind of guy. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't measure up, right? It's just this, this, this problem that you got to get beyond so we can get to the rest of the love story, right? So, so, so Boaz does this though. He says, all right, you're going to get up early in the morning. We're going to make sure that, that, your, that your discretion is, is covered. He didn't want to embarrass anybody. There wasn't anything going on anyway. He wanted to send her out. But what he does is he gets up and he gives her six measures of meal, six measures of grain. Now, she doesn't, she's from Moab. She doesn't understand that. You, you and I, we probably don't understand that either. But guess who would? Naomi. 
Matter of fact, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you some of this so that Naomi uh, doesn't, isn't hungry. In other words, he's telling her, talk to Naomi about this. She's going to understand what it means. And so if, if, if we hear six measures, we don't really know how much it is. And how much it is doesn't really matter. We know that there was six parts of something. And so she goes back to Naomi and she goes, he gave me this six measures of meal. And he said that uh, he would take care of things. And Naomi looks at it and she goes, okay, I get it. You see, any good Jewish mother-in-law would know God created the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And so her advice back to Ruth was, honey, just relax. He ain't going to rest till this is settled. He's going to go to work. This idea of rest is laced throughout chapter 3, where it starts out, Naomi saying, I want you to find rest. She's going to find rest. She's going to find rest at the feet of her kinsman redeemer. Now, Boaz gets up in the morning and he goes just right to work. You get the idea that Boaz is a guy of authority. Like he carries a little weight when he walks around. You know, it's almost like you hear the, ch- the, the spurs chinging. Ching. He waits at the gate, which is where they did business. It was like the city hall. And he finds Danny DeVito. <laughs> He's like, dude, you and I, we got business. We got, we got some stuff to do. I need you to come with me. Guy comes right with him. And then he gathers 10, 10 people, 10, 10 people. You had to have 10 uh, 10 men to, to make it official. It's called a minion. And that's not a little yellow guy that doesn't speak English. That's not, this is 10 men, right? Minion. So they, he gathers these 10 men and he presents the case. He goes, to, he goes to the near kinsman and he says, look, here's the thing. Naomi was out and Elimelech, they left. And, and then they came back and Elimelech died. And you're the nearest kinsman to Elimelech and you can redeem her land. If you want to do that. And the guy's like, yeah, oh, absolutely, I'll do it. You could feel Boaz's heart just go. But you also see that Boaz does not pull any punches. Because he's like, all right, you can redeem the land for Naomi. You also get to redeem the Moabitist, Ruth, as your wife. And raise up a family with her. What? Yeah, you get all that. He made sure to call her the Moabitist. <laughs> so the kinsman says, man, I, I can't do that. Because what he would have done, he would have had to spend his own money to redeem the land. Then he would have had to raise up a family through Ruth who would have had, um, who would have had the inheritance of the land. And he would have risked not only that, losing all that investment, losing all that, but he would have missed losing other investments for his own children. So he couldn't do it. Another way that symbolically, I think that when you look at this book, you see that um, the, the nearer kinsman represents the law. The fact of the matter is, it's just not, it's not, it can't redeem. It can't redeem us. Only grace can do that. And with Boaz, seeing this Moabite woman, giving her grace to be in his field, now he wants to marry her. He actually purchases her is what it says. He's extending grace by bringing her into the family. And he was okay with that. He was okay with bringing a foreigner into his family. You know why? His mom, you might remember her. Her name was Rahab. Rahab the harlot from the city of Jericho that was there and helped the two witnesses. 
So he knows what a Gentile being brought into the family means. So the nearer kinsman, I can't do it. You can do it. Boaz is happy. They're going to be a wedding, right? He gives him his shoe. The shoe was a matter of, of ownership of the land. Whenever Abraham gave the land to, to, to uh, whenever God gave the, Abraham, the, the land to Abraham, he said, walk the width and the breadth of it. So wherever you walked, that was possession, right? That was his possession. And so they would give their shoe to say two things. First of all, I pass on the possession of the land. And two, I'm not stepping up to the challenge, right? But to Boaz, is a marriage license. Somebody getting married. We going. Ruth 4, 13 through 16. So Boaz took Ruth as his wife. And when he went unto her, the Lord gave her uh, conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which not, with hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. Wait a second, that sounds like somebody familiar to us, doesn't it? Interesting how the Old Testament points to Jesus. And a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which was better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it on her bosom and became a nurse unto him. In other words, she became a teacher, an instructor, a nanny. Here we see love's reward. Ruth was now a joint heir with Boaz. Everything that was his, hers. Naomi would be blessed because of Ruth's devotion. Because of her commitment. Ruth would be blessed because of grace. Now the beautiful part of this little, wonderful little four chapter book is there's a depiction of the church in Ruth. The church is a Gentile bride brought in by grace. The law forbids us to be there, but grace allows us. We're allowed to come into the kingdom because of grace, because of a kinsman redeemer who paid the price for us. Ruth is symbolic and metaphoric for us. Let's look at her journey. Ruth turned from her land, from her gods, from her family, from her past. She embraced an unknown life because of a relationship with Naomi. Think about you for a second. You're here in this field, probably because of a relationship. Somebody made an impact on you and invited you to come to know the king. Brought you into a field of blessing. Introduced you to the kinsman redeemer known as Jesus. How powerful is our relationships to the kingdom of God? It changes not only lives, it changes generations. By grace, Ruth would enter the land and become welcome, protected, and provided for by Boaz. As well as married into the lineage of David the king and the Messiah Jesus. 
The church, Gentile bride, brought in by grace. Our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, also our kinsman redeemer. As you read the book of Ruth and you learn about the kinsman redeemer, it's imperative in order for you to understand Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read it to you. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. John says, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then the elders said unto me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and crack the seven seals. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden, gave them authority on the earth. All the earth was theirs. Adam and Eve sinned and, and gave it up. In order for the land, the earth to be redeemed, in order for you and I to be redeemed, we needed a kinsman redeemer. Jesus had to become a man to redeem us and to redeem the land. He's the only one that's worthy. He did it so that you and I could be redeemed. Our advice is just like Naomi gave to Ruth. Wash yourself. That's washing yourself in the word. Anoint yourself. Man, receive the Holy Spirit in your life. Put on the garment of praise. And then fall at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Chapter 1, Ruth had no idea who Boaz was. Chapter 2, she saw Boaz as just a wealthy landowner who was blessing her by being in his field. He was distant. And there were some good things that came from it, but there was no relationship. Chapter 3, Ruth recognizes him as the kinsman redeemer and falls at his feet. Chapter 4, Ruth is now an heir, a joint heir with Boaz. And blessings throw, flow through her family. Why don't you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn about you. We thank you that you are our kinsman redeemer. Father, that all scripture points to you. And the story is redemption. Our redemption. A Gentile, not allowed to come into the community except by grace. Where the law failed, grace, grace succeeds. We thank you for this today. 
Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.